This is the Crease Cast. Here's your host, Lock in the Crease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, the the Crease Cast. I'm Lock in the Crease. Um, you know, okay, so. You know, I was really, like, I, I'm recording, this is Tuesday, the 26th, probably the second to last episode of the, of the month of August, which is crazy, again, because it's hockey in the middle of August, what have you. Um, and I was really looking forward to doing this episode today, because, you know, because, you know, we're coming off two, game, two games against the Vegas Golden Knights, two games that nobody thought would happen at the beginning of the season, two, you know, and not only that, but the Canucks won winning the second of those two. Um, their first regulation win against the Vegas Golden Knights, and it happens in a playoff game thanks to some amazing hockey from uh, Jacob Markstrom stealing the show in game two, and Elias Pettersson, and Tyler Toffoli made his big return after being out from the first game against Minnesota. And I want to talk about all those things, and we will. We will talk about all those things. But we have to start in a different place because today has been a pretty monumental day in sports. Um, unfortunately, not for hockey's, not in hockey's case, it's just another day because of course it is. Um, um, basically, if you haven't already heard, uh, uh, if you don't already know, essentially there was a shooting in Milwaukee. Um, uh, um, a poli- police officers opened fire on a, on a, on a man, on Jacob Blake, um, who was a, um, uh, you know, he, um, he was just, he was a black man, unarmed, uh, shot, I believe eight times, I think it was eight times in the back by police, um, during, during a, um, during a, um, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Just, you know, we go through this whole, like, again, we go through this all the time. Like, I mean, this, this summer has been a big year for that, for the Black Lives Matter cause, everything that went, happened with, um, that happened with George Floyd earlier in the year. And uh, the fact that uh, Breonna Taylor's killers are still out there, if I'm remembering her name correctly, because I mean, again, because I'm literally, you know, I'm like everybody else, like, like we've, I've stupidly kind of semi moved on a little bit, which is dumb of me because his, her killers are still out there and still not in prison. Um, And you know, you, this is, this is keeps happening. This keeps happening. And, um, you know, the NBA, which, you know, the NBA's players, I should say, more than anything, you know, they've been wearing the Black Lives Matter stuff on the back of their jerseys. They've been really open about and come it really open and like um, really trying to push the agenda forward as well as the WNBA, the WNBA players. They've also been doing that as well. Um, and both of them today uh, in the middle of playoffs, in the middle of their playoffs, decided we're going to we don't want to come. We don't want to play. Um, specifically the Milwaukee Bucks did not take the court for their game against the Orlando Magic today. Um, are, um, in a twist of, of importance, uh, four years to the day that Colin Kaepernick uh, first kneeled on an NFL field for the same reasons. Um, and it's, you know, they, they made a, they put their own livelihoods on the line here because you're not like, this is, it's technically breach of contract. They put their own, they put their own financial gain on the line for something that's bigger than sports, something far bigger than sports. And that is the lives of black people everywhere and how they can't, and the injust, the racial injustices in our, in our society. Um, and Canada is not immune. Let's not kid ourselves here. Canada is not immune. Yes. A lot of these, have been, yes, all the main incidents that have been um, setting these off have been 
in the States. These conversations often been in the States, but that we are far from, we are far from um, um, clean here, from clean here in Canada. We have our own issues with this too. And even if it, and, 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 you know, be it black people or native or, um, um, shoot, why am I blanking on the first nations? That's the word I'm looking for. We have these problems all the time here too. Um, in Canada, we are not immune to this. Um, there needs to be bigger sweeping changes and, you know, the NBA is doing a good thing, um, uh, by, you know, not playing a game today by, by not playing by the players, not stepping away and not playing. Um, on uh, the MLB, a bunch of teams have done the same thing. And so, ha and uh, like I mentioned, the WNBA, same thing. And the NHL, you know, the, the, the people that at the beginning of these playoffs stood up and did the big end racism thing over like in, on the jumbotron. And then, but also, you know, kept it weirdly vague as if it was kind of, they were kind of trying to like kind of just throw it in behind with ever with all the other stuff of like about nurse about nurses and doctors who have been doing everything they can to stop covid and everything else and it was kind of, it wasn't an afterthought so much as it was a a a purposeful like not omission because they said something it was just very small and not enough um and for the NHL, I was at that time, I was happy that they said something at all because this is the NHL, a league that has been, that is notoriously really welcoming to change. No, no, it isn't. It's, you know, it's, it, and so at the time I was like, well, it's not enough, but it's a start, which is better than I expected. You know, it's a low bar. They cleared the low bar which is good. Now let's build on that. Now let's see them build on that. And today, as every other league, every other, every other major league had games postponed. The NHL didn't. They didn't do anything. They kept playing. There was a flat, if in the fairness, there was a Flyers-Islanders game that was in the middle of play when, this, when everything started, when the dominoes started falling. So if that one has, was going to finish, Sure. But for the other two games were far later in the day, they had plenty of time to cancel them or postpone them or, and have, and let the players, you know, sit out, sit an extra night on purpose to keep this conversation purposefully um, at the front of everyone's mind. They elected not to. Um, and Bill Daly says the, you know, vice, vice president Bill Daly is like, you know, the players are free to express themselves, which is empty prompt, empty meaning. Like that can mean anything. Like you, you can like, yeah, they're free to do that, but are you going to then be shitty about it? Um, it's not, and it's not even about that. Yes. The NBA's players were the ones that stepped up in that case. And I'm disappointed in the player in the NHL players for not seeing that and being like, okay, let's do the right thing here ourselves. But this also comes down to the league being like, okay, we're not going to do anything about this. We, we're, we're, we're separate. We're separate from that because we're in Canada and we're hockey. We're different because it's almost like, I don't know, like I, I, I can't tell why they think they're different. I can't put my white finger on it, you know? Like this is the problem at the end of the day. And I hate, and I hate that we keep having to have this conversation, especially on, you know, for me, I am, I am personally very quiet on these sorts of things in public just because 
it's not my style. I'm not comfortable talking about, you know, issue about society's issues and, you know, society's issues, whether, and even like political issues, which is, again, let's be very clear here. Racial inequality is not a political issue. It's a social issue. Those are two different things. Those are two different things. I am not, I'm usually very uncomfortable talking about those things in public just because that's who I am. I'm not really that comfortable with talking about things, especially because I don't fully know enough. I know I don't know enough. Um, but I feel, again, like I've said before on this show, it's my job that the fact that I have a platform, even if it's a tiny one like this show, like this podcast, or the articles I write about hockey, I'm, it's my job. It's my job to say something, to step up and say something, because what am I doing here if I'm not going to use my platform for good and be a person who tries to help make change because I have the platform that I do, even if it's a small one. And, you know, it's disappointing seeing the NHL have this huge platform. Maybe it's not to the level of the NBA or the NFL or the MLB, but it's a ginormous platform by most standards. And then all they choose to do with it is yet another, here's a very vague statement before puck drop between the Lightning and the Bruins. Cool. We're good now. We fixed it, everyone. We did it. We solved racism. Yay. And then they're patting themselves on the back for that. And then... Not only that, and then, of course, they got a lot of crap for it on Twitter, very rightfully so, so much so that they didn't even do anything before the Dallas-Colorado game that's on right now. I, I admittedly today did not watch hockey today because, you know, I felt like I'm not, like, I'm not some hero for doing that. There are, here, there are real heroes out there, and one of which we will be talking about today, but for a dip, later in the show. Um, a local per- a local guy who you know, who you probably, who you know who we're talking about, Justin Morissette, um, for a different reason, very different reason. But it's that same idea of the NHL just, you know, they took a giant a platform that they had, a very, this is an easy answer to say, we're not going to play this game today. We're not going to play games today. We're going to take, like, we're going we're gonna to wait an extra day here. We're going to push everything back one extra day. It's that simple, and they chose not to do it. They just, they, they didn't. I don't know. I didn't watch hockey today because um, we're going to still talk about some games that are going on, but um, I have not watched any hockey today because um, I felt like in solidarity, it's my job to, I'm going to, you know, today, I'm just not going to do it. Now, I can, you can criticize me in the fact of, you know, the Canucks aren't playing today. Would I be saying this if the Canucks were, were the Canucks were on? Maybe not because... I'm, again, like, you know, you could argue that I'm hypocritical for that because it happens to be the day that Canucks are off today. But, you know, that's, there's a difference between, I will say in fairness, there's a difference between, you know, when it's your job, like the Canucks are my job, following the Canucks and keeping up on what they're doing is my job. So I have to do that. Even if I don't get paid a lot for it, I feel it's my job. And it's technically my job today to be covering any NHL and to be keeping an eye on everything in the NHL. But today I felt like, you know, if the NBA is not going to play, if the WNBA is not going to play, and MLB teams aren't going to play, I'm going to sit this out today. Hockey, if hockey's not going to make a difference, I'm not going to sit there and watch it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give them my viewership today because they don't deserve it right now. Like, and I say, and that hurts me personally, like in the way of, I love hockey. Hockey is my escape from this, you know? I love I love that 
when the world is at its shittiest, sometimes I can just come home, sit and watch 60 minutes of teams skating around on, on a frozen sheet of ice and moving a puck around because I know it doesn't matter. And I know it's at the, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's just a sport and it's a game and it's something that gives me an escape. But sometimes that escape, but sometimes the world, the, the shit in the world intersects with hockey and I have to take that into consideration. And today I had to, I didn't, I'm not going to watch any games today. I will probably be back. I probably will be back at it tomorrow, but at the same time, the, the point is that it's supposed to be in solidarity for the people, for people who are really making a tough decision today. And right now the NBA is still even talking about the possibility that they might not finish their season, which imagine now if you're the NHL, imagine if all the other leagues or at least the, the other bubble league comes out and says, we're not going to finish our season. This is it game. We're done. We're done. We're leaving. We're, we're leaving this because this is not a good, this is not okay anymore. We can't do this in good conscience. Um, even if that means, even if, even, like, even though we did all this stuff for COVID, if the NHL, imagine if the NHL is the only re- te- league to finish their season because they chose to ignore racial inequality. That does, that's not exactly a good, I would say, call me crazy, but I don't think that's a great look for them, you know? If it's one, it's one thing for you to be the only league, say, that finished because you were the only one that had a good COVID bubble which they're not anymore, because, which they're not because the NBA has done a very good job as well. Um, a, a much better job than I anticipated. Good for them. But if you're the only league that finishes their season because you chose to ignore racial inequality and decide it wasn't and sweep it under the rug and decide it's not your problem and that your hockey season is more important, like what the, f- what the fuck are we doing? You know, like what the fuck is, is the point? It's not more important. Sports are not more important than society and society's problems at the end of the day. As much as sometimes we like to think it's that way, it's not. We, and we got to accept that. And, you know, um, we're going to talk about hockey now because there is still hockey going on. Um, and there's going to be hockey probably again tomorrow, including this Vancouver Canucks team that's doing, that's pulling off some magic. But at the same time, part of me, like I watched that, the amazing run they're on right now. And part of me is like, I really would love to see them be the first NHL team to be like, you know what? We're not going to play. We're going to skip this. We're not, we're going to postpone this game. We want to, we want to postpone this game. We're not coming on the ice for this because there are bigger things at this particular moment in time that need the world's attention. I would love to see the Canucks take that, take that step and be that first team to do it. Um, and I would be very proud of that, of the team if they did. I, they have the opportunity to, there's still time. There's still lots of time before tomorrow for them to decide they're not going to play. And if they do, they would have my utmost respect for doing the right thing and for, you know, and I hope that they make a good decision. I would be I would be I would be more than happy to be like, "Yes, I don't need a Canucks game today. If you guys are going to do this for racial inequality, yes, good on you. Like good on you. I'm not going to give them like an award for greatness because I'm not going to build them a statue or anything because they're following the lead of other teams, but the very least I'm going to say, Hey, they did something good and maybe they'll convince all the other teams to fall in line here, especially considering that they're the one team here. They're the, they're the least likely team to win here to win the Stanley cup by most people's standards. So if they decide, hell, we're going to, we're going to take this stand here and say that we don't care how far we've gotten. We're going to wait. We're going to make you wait to, to finish this year because we don't feel like it's our job to be on the ice right now. That would be, fantastic it'd be great um and it would be something that i really hope they do canucks please consider 
consider not coming showing up for this consider not showing up and convince and trying to convince the golden knights to take the that step with you because that would be a huge moment for the nhl and it'd be good and the nhl needs that right now more than anything it needs players to step up and specifically white players who have never experienced this firsthand to step up and say hey there's bigger stuff than what we're doing right now and we're gonna hard segue into hockey and i'm sorry about that but this is the way it is in the world right now and this is the thing and i'm i wanted to talk about that because it's extremely important and i think it's the best way to lead off the show right now um to lead off the show and you know we go into you know there's controversy in hockey away from this there's lots there's been a weird it's been a weird 24 hours in hockey just um in general um like you know there was the i mean the canucks won five five to two there's in game two they after getting smoked five nothing in game one the canucks in that game in that first game were horrible like they 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 looked completely off the entire night and the knights also who are just generally much better than they are from a on paper standpoint took over took advantage and just mopped the floor with the Canucks in game number one to the and you know everybody had an off night and it was and it was kind of like for me especially when I'm watching that game I'm just like well this is I I admit there's part of me that was like oh god this is the series isn't it this is what we're gonna watch we're gonna watch four games of just of just a slaughter um and but I mean, at the same time, I've said before with this group that, you know, they've gotten this far. They've gotten this far. It'd be great to see them keep going, but I'm not going to hold it against them if they came, if they got, even if they got kicked out of the building 10 nothing in four straight games and got outscored 40 to nothing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, well, this is a, well, this was a horrible lost waste of a season. No, they came and they did a lot better than anybody anticipated. And yes, even like, look, and when, and you know, going into game two, um, you know, I was thinking, well, if they win tonight, that's fantastic. If they, well, I was saying more, if they lose tonight, that sucks, but you know, understandable, but if they win, who, who knows? Right. And then of course, and then right before, um, right before they're, uh, just like a few, like half, like half an hour or an hour before they're supposed to step on the ice. Um, the CB, CBC, I was watching the, the game before, which was, uh, was it Philly, uh, Philly Islanders, if I'm remembering that correct no it wasn't who was it who was playing yesterday was it oh it was just the other boston tampa game that's right they played back to back um and uh chris cutper was talking about we 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 noticed uh tyler Toffoli's sticks are sitting on the bench hidden behind jacob markstrom's and you and it's like oh is he playing is he ready they said he was almost ready to go oh what a difference that would make right like you're, yes, he's probably still hurt. He's probably still not, he's not 100%. He's probably going to need an extra game to really get his legs out from underneath him if he's still playing. But hey, it's great that he's back in the lineup, right? And then a minute in, like seconds into his first shift, Pedersen right out, gets the puck right out in front. He's just completely left alone by his former Kings teammate, Alec Martinez, just bats it home and it's one nothing. And you're just, and it's all of a sudden, like as soon as that puck goes in, you're like, Oh, we've got a series, don't we? Because that that because finally there was a team here. There was a team in front. There was this Canucks team that had even just that extra piece makes two complete very good lines. Like like before they were kind of treading. I would say that one of those lines is treading water with either Louis Erickson or Jake Vertanen. But now that you have Besser and Toffoli both set back in that in those in that top six and 
Travis Green, for his credit, once again, is finding great ways to shuffle the centers in between the wingers to a point where it's making it a lot tougher for his opponents, including the Knights, who are very stacked and have lines that can pretty much match you regardless of who, what number they are in the sta- on, the, on, the, on the depth chart. Um, the, the, Travis Green found a way to, get the, the cent- to, get, to make it a lot tougher to decide who you're covering. And having Tyler Toffoli out there, back in the lineup for his first game since game one against Minnesota, and he looked like he hadn't skipped a beat. Not only did he look like he hadn't skipped a beat, he played like he's been here the whole damn time. Like he's been just rolling the whole damn time. Like he would be like, you, you, you almost expect him to be like top five in scoring if he had played the whole time, right? Like people are probably like, oh, that guy's their best player, right? No, he's been out the lineup, hasn't he? Um, Got a, he got the first goal of the game within like a couple minute within a minute and a half of the game of the puck dropping. Then power play midway through the game, he gets the assist on the Bo Horvat goal on a Bo Horvat goal. Um, and they were they were doing you know I said at the beginning of this series on Twitter that with Robin Leonard who's a big goalie and we'll get into the goalie controversy. Um, he's a bulk, he is one of the bulkiest goaltenders in the National Hockey League. He's huge. He's I believe he weighs in at two forty. And this is not a uh, this is not a uh, this is not a knock against his weight or anything. This is the this is just the basic dynamics of people, which is that you know that's two hundred and forty pounds is a lot of Robin Leonard, and that's not including all of the heavy ass goalie equipment that you lug around every night, which is also bigger because you're bigger. That's he's probably he's heavy dude, heavy dude, and you have to and that means. That yes, you cover the pro is of that is that you cover a lot of net. You cover a lot more net because you're so much bulkier. You cover way more net. So straight on shots are very, it's very unlikely that you're gonna get a lot of straight on shots that go clean through unless you're catching them off guard. So what you need to do in those cases when you have that goaltender, the con here is that when you're that big, because there's so much of you to move around you're a lot slower than say than a smaller goaltender with that athleticism like we saw with Alex Stalock in the first series against the Wild. This is the kind of stuff that matters. This is the importance. The Canucks, if they want to beat a goalie like Leonard, they have to move the puck around quickly and force him to chase that play, to chase the play, because you're not going to beat him on a lot of clean, just shots straight at the net. He's even opening him up on a deke might not always work because again, he covers so much net and he's a bigger guy and you know, he's only six, four. So it's really like, and there are a lot of six, four goaltenders who are a lot leaner, like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's sitting on the bench is a bit of a leaner goaltender than, uh, than Robin Leonard. And so he has a bit more of that edge in the speed category. So with the Canucks, what they needed to do here was play that, do a better job at moving the puck around with quick, short passes, making him dart between where the puck's going while also keeping it, you know, while also, you know, keeping proper possession, actually getting the shots away. And they did just that in game five. Pretty, a bunch of those goals were just quick movement passes right across into the front of the net where they're, and they're making the defense pick and choose where they're going to go. They're finding great ways to find, they're finding those passing lanes and they're making them connect. And, you know, there's only so much Leonard can do at that point, especially considering he's not getting a lot of shots, even in that game. The Canucks only had, um, I believe they had 20, well, they had 27 shots, they had 27 shots, but that's a lot less when you consider the 40 that Jacob Markstrom faced yesterday. Um, this is the sort of stuff that matters. Like these, 
you know, moving the puck, like those quick possession, that quick um, precision passes, just getting in between, even if that just means a quick back shuffle, the cycle game that the Sedins worked was perfect for this sort of thing. It's just about the speed and moving the puck well at possible. And Quinn Hughes, once it looked, looked very human in the first game, looked mediocre in the second, which might be an injury thing. Hopefully not, fingers crossed. Um, but it also just might be that he's getting so much more attention from the Knights' best players right now. And he's all, um, and for the Canucks credit, while he's having a bit of a tougher time in this, in this series, they've picked up the slack. His defensemen, his other defensemen have found a way to pick, to keep the ball rolling. And maybe they can't fully, they can't fully, um, uh, take, like uh, restock an entire Quinn Hughes worth of good moments, but they're doing a decent job. And I thought like the Jordy Ben Oscar Fantenberg pairing, which is usually a bit of a death of a of a of a death of a death rattle sometimes when you're watching the player, just like, oh my god, they're getting hemmed in forever. Um, even they looked a lot calmer and more collected than usual. And I was much more at ease when they were moving the puck sometimes. I didn't feel like they were making as many crazy, like crazy mistakes or glaring errors. Um, they looked a lot more comfortable and they were picking up the slack for Quinn Hughes getting so much more attention from the Knights' best defensive shutdown players. Um, and for the, and the Canucks frustrated the Knights. Like you could see the Knights' frustration creeping in, especially after they give up the, there's the, they, they got within one, they got the one goal, the Alex Tuck goal, Alex Tuck, speedy, amazing, crazy good player. Um, you know, like that's a hard guy to, that's a tough guy to stop. And the Knights are killer with that speed away. They, in the first game, they were really moving the puck well through the neutral zone. They were cutting off passes and they were just charging right back. And the Canucks had no answer. A lot of the time Canucks did a much better job at answering the bell and not only answering, but responding with their own quick attack. They looked a lot more alert and a lot more focused in game two. Um, and the Knights, I wouldn't even say played, played badly. The Canucks just did a really good job at countering them um, and finding the few holes that the Knights leave. And the thing with the Knights is that after like, you know, there's the Pedersen goal, just deking through a phone booth in front of Robin Leonard with, with a, what a minute to go in the second period. And that all of us, you really knew that game was where that game was going by that, by that point. Like the Canucks were just, they, everything was firing on all cylinders. Uh, Bo Horvat gets the second goal, just seconds into the third period and it's just it, you can see you can feel it you can feel them it coming you can feel that that this is their this is this is a game for them and that all of a sudden the series is a lot closer than it looked after game one, um, and I was so impressed by the way the the Canucks handled that and then the Golden Knights handling horribly lose like losing that way horribly like um, there was Max Pacioretty just like like uh, like basically grabbing like. Antoine Roussel by the like the scruff of his neck and just hauling him down from behind um you know got a penalty for that like that was this is a team this is remember you got to remember with this Golden Knights team for most of these players they have not known any sort of adversity in their entire in their entire three years seasons of existence they have been the best team in just about every possible way they maybe lose a few games here or there but they've been one of the best teams they're not exactly good at winning with dignity because when you win that much you turn into a bit of a sore loser um and there was like there was the one where Bertanen kind of like pulled Alex Tuck's helmet off from down and you just saw Tuck going in and just 
taken the punches well. Vertanen's down and defenseless on the ice. He's not turtling. He's down. He got he got knocked over in the middle in with this in this collision with Tuck, and Tuck's just like throwing haymakers at him. And you can see, oh, they're mad because this is a team that again that has no that has that has no idea how to lose with dignity because they've never had to lose with dignity. This is a this is a new territory for them getting like getting their teeth kicked in a little bit. Like they're not used to that and they don't like it. They were not happy, especially you know the first game. The first game was so annoying. They were so annoying. Like there's all the the barking going on from the other side like right and like hockey night in Canada spending 30 20 minutes of a like not even like like 40 minutes of a two and a half hour broadcast just fawning over Ryan Reeves and what a character guy. Look at this guy. He's like teeing up crazy hits in the middle of the ice and all over the place. Like this is a lead. This is a character leader, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the whole video of him like, like bucking like a chicken at Antoine Roussel. And you could hear it during the game. The, the chicken noises he was get he was, he was making from the bench. There was the whole thing where, Knights players were calling Pedersen little squirt. They were calling Quinn Hughes water boy. Like they were being like such like they were, they were throwing chirps and trash talk like nobody's business. And all of a sudden in game two, not only were they just completely shut up by that point, they were just like, they were, they were so mad. They were like, like steaming from losing to the point where it's just like, Oh, like apparently it's very easy to throw them off. Like they're, they're a bit, uh, they're a bit, um, they can, they can't, uh, they can throw the, the, they can throw the trash out, but they can't take it coming back their way. They're, they're not good at that. And the Canucks might have um, a little bit of a, of a, of a shot here, not just because they're playing very well and the power play was finally clicking a little bit, which was huge for them. And Markstrom was fantastic making save after save after save, especially after a rough first game where he didn't get much help to be fair. He he didn't play extremely well, but he also was not to blame at all for that game. The Canucks were atrocious from beginning to end, and he got zero help from his defenseman in that one. In game two, he was otherworldly once again. He went back to just being crazy amazing Jacob Markstrom. And this was a game where they, you know, the Canucks played, it dictated the play, and they found a way that, like, you know, they saw the other team doing all this stuff and being these super annoying pesky this pesky team that's so accustomed to winning that it's that it's not even fun for them anymore sort of thing or they're they you know and so but when they lose they get really mad and the Canucks just you know they were like okay they didn't and I wouldn't say like that didn't seem like the Canucks were throwing much chirps back in their direction because that's not really their thing they're much more especially like from the videos it seem and like from the commentary you get it seems like they're much more about just positive reinforcement for their own players. They don't care as much about like, yes, you have Antoine Roussel and a couple other guys who definitely talk shit, but it seemed a lot more like they were focusing more on their own players and, and like, like revving up their own guys. Like whenever a guy makes a good luck, yeah, let's go. Like, they're just kind of like, they're kind of just motivating their own guys. They're not focusing on the other team. They're focusing on themselves. And that's why, again, I don't think that, I don't think the stuff that the Knights are throwing at them really matters all that much, especially when they're throwing it at Pedersen. Like, are you kidding? Are you joking? You think you think this guy, this guy with the death stare, the most, the the most like calm and collected player 
on this team. You think you're going to throw him off with your trash talk? You don't know him very well, do you? And sure enough, like, they, they, they spend that whole first game, like, trying to get under him, under, under his skin under Petey's skin and he just was like okay fine I'm gonna score I'm gonna score a th- I'm gonna have a three-point night against you in game two how about that instead he's really good about the I'm just gonna let my play do the talking thing and that's the way that I love to see the Canucks win like that is something that has been missing for a very long time from this group is just the way of we're not gonna even care what they do what they do or say to us we're just gonna focus on us and we're gonna win that way um you know they've I and to make more things even more interesting, um, there's been a lot of controversy with the Knights in the last couple of games. Like in between each, ga- like before each game and after, well, I guess um, before the first game and then after game two. The first one being um, Alan Walsh, well-known, outspoken agent on Twitter. Kind of annoying sometimes. <laughs> um, he's very, I'll say this, he's, he clearly likes his players um, and really, uh, really likes his clients. Uh, posted a picture on Twitter, uh, a photoshopped image of Marc-Andre Fleury in net with a sword stabbed right through him and on the back of the sword said DeBoer um, in reference to coach Knights coach Pete DeBoer benching Fleury in favor of Robin Leonard. Um, which, you know, like there was this whole thing like, uh, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, like goalie controversy brewing, right? Um, and, we're, and it's like exciting. Uh, and it's like kind of like the, like for us Canucks fans especially like our like any Canucks fans or any people who've been around the Canucks this long they're like oh my god finally a team another team having a goalie controversy a team having a goalie controversy and it, it isn't us thank God <laughs> like oh thank you like this is the this is the thing and like he posts this picture and like come on Flurry knows like that's not like that doesn't like yes like agents don't just like do that without telling their clients, right? Because imagine that, like imagine a client just starts doing crazy stuff like and causing you headaches like that. Like posting a public photo of criticizing your own head coach. Um, that guy's gone, right? You're, you're firing that agent tomorrow because you've now, because he's now pissed off the team that you're playing for. But it was pretty clear from the fact that he was very much avoid when they, they had a press conference, the day of game one, with Mark, just Mark Andre Fleury talking to the media about everything, and he basically didn't, and he did not say, he did not say that I had no, I had no idea it was going up. He never said that. He never, he very much skirted around those questions, around that question, and it was asked multiple times. He very, and the second time he was like, "That's the same question as last time. I already gave you an answer, which was word soup." So it was pretty obvious that he knew, like through omission, he clearly knew that his agent was going to post that and then after it was clear that it was a bad idea he was like okay delete it and then you know now you've got an issue of a goalie con- now you've got this goalie controversy brewing especially now that the canucks pumped five past leonard all of a sudden it's like oh snap or do we have this we have a something brewing here right like all the and it's you know and that's a huge distraction as we can tell you from personal experience like what came to like the luongo and schneider stuff like that's a huge that's a huge like distraction especially during a playoff run like oh man like I can't even like the Canucks thankfully didn't really have too much of that problem because the main issues were sorted out after the offseason during the offseason or in the reg during the regular season when it was more about who's starting each and every night by the end by the time you get to the playoffs it's a little more clear-cut 
this is much, this is different. This is a guy like who's like, and his agent who essentially have gone after the team that he's on in the middle of a damn playoff run. Like after no, like no clear, like there was nothing, no evidence online of the, of, 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 of issues. And then they just throw it up there like a curveball in the middle of a playoff run. Like, Oh my God, it's not the right. I would not say it's the best play. It's really not. You're, I mean, Maybe we've seen the last of Flurry in Vegas after this season. It might be. You never know. I mean, they have to make a call because you know Leonard's a UFA at the end of the at the end of the season as well. And I don't think Flurry is, but um, you know they have to make this decision of apparently are they going to keep send Flurry to a new team or are they going to and sign Leonard or are they going to get rid of the guy the the insurance policy in Leonard? Um, and there was that that br- that came up, and now you ha- heading into Game Three because the Canucks, of course lit up Leonard in that last game of oh god who are you starting uh like who are they going to start in game three and I would not be surprised if it's flurry um and then there was last night after the Canucks win um apparently a few people uh went to Jonathan Marcheseau's Instagram and uh took some shots at him specifically about him diving in the middle of games um and he made the very, very grave mistake of responding to them and responding to them poorly. Um, now, first of all, let me start with the obvious fact of, hey, maybe don't go after players on Instagram. Like, like, yeah, the responses that they got in return were kind of funny. And yes, sometimes some of the, the, the ones sent in his direction were clever. However, you should not do that. Like, it's not cool. It's not good. It's not good etiquette, internet etiquette. Like, Come on. Like, if you hate a player, you can say it on your Twitter feed, no problem. And if they decide they want to name search you, name search it, name search themselves and find you shitting on them, go ahead. Like, go ahead. But if you're going to, A, oh, number one, also, don't go after family members. I don't care. If you think, if you're just, if it's, a, if you're getting a rise out of this player, do not go after family members or kids. That's shitty. That's incredibly shitty. Don't do that. Um, you know, and, but um, where was I going with this? Uh, you know, but you should, and you shouldn't just in general, you shouldn't tag players or com- go to a player's comments or DM a player, which I saw at least one case of yesterday um, and message them and basically be an asshole to them. Like, I don't care if they're a public figure. That's not their thing. You shouldn't do that though. Don't be an ass on Twitter, on Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Now, like, like, I'm saying those people should not have done that. Jonathan Marcheseau also should not have responded and more so responded with equally shitty rhetoric back. Like at one point, I think he called somebody, somebody as ugly, like their dog. And it was, and like, there was, and it's like, like, okay, not only is this not good, is this not good, is this not a good rebuttal? Like, why are you do it. Why are you even responding? You should ignore this. Like this is, this is terrible. Now you, now they know they can get a rise out of you and a bunch of people. And sure enough, as soon as, like, as soon as they told everybody, Hey, look what I, look what I got Jonathan Marcheseau to respond to. Of course that just sent a sea more, a sea of, of extra people to his page to like go after him because like, again, they shouldn't do that, but you got to know better than to respond to that. Like, Turn off your comment, turn off your notifications on comments, man. Like, I mean, it was, it was, it was ridiculous, but this is a guy like who just came out of a playoff game. Like 
what are you doing? Like that is like, you, you can tell that this is again, a team and players specifically who are clearly not very, don't take criticism or losing well. And they lash out. He apologized today for it. Um, and you know, that's the right thing. I mean, rightfully so uh, again, I'm not saying what anyone did was good. They should not be, again, please, please, please. If you want to shit on players, don't do it to, don't do it on their personal Instagrams and don't at them on Twitter. That's just sick. That's just gross. Like, it's not cool. Um, If you want to make jokes about them on your own Twitter profile and they just, and they're the ones who decide they're going to come to your profile and look at it and get mad at you there, that's them. That's on them. People are, are, People can be, people are open to criticism. Just saying it to their internet face, especially if you're on like, you know, on an anonymous, in your anonymous like profile and everything, that's not cool. But, you know, this is kind of just goes back to the whole thing of the Knights are seem a little bit rattled because that's, that's a like, that's a huge gaffe on his part in the sense of you've kind of essentially just let the world know that you are not like having it. You're not feeling good. You're not having a good time. You are a little bit rattled right now. Like that's a big issue. Like if you're the Knights, like there's a, it's, it seriously feels like with that, with you go with the picture, everything with Flurry and Leonard, and then you have Marcia Stone here and who knows what we might see come forward. It really does look kind of right now. Like the Knights are kind of self-destructing and the Canucks might just happen to be the team that's there when they just fully implode and be the ones that end up reaping the benefits of that. So if you're the Canucks, you keep plugging away because you might have a shot at this just because this team does not seem there, which is shocking because this is a, a team that won every game in the round Robin and only lost one game to the Blackhawks in the, in the, the first round, but suddenly they very, they seem very, very, um, beatable. They seem beatable, not because they're necessarily playing poorly, but it seems like their mind mindset is not there, and they're not they're not in this right now. Their their heads are not in it, and they're a little. And there seems to be a little bit of drama brewing with that team. So if you're the Canucks, you just don't even mention that stuff. Obviously, don't give them any reason to fuel them up and like you know rile them up more. Just focus. Keep focusing on you. Focus on, hey, we're doing well. We're having a great time and we're playing good hockey and we're enjoying ourselves. Again, Canucks look have like they're having a great time on the bench yesterday. The Knights did not anymore. There was a lot less chirping going on. If you're, Van- if you're Vancouver, the best thing you can do is just keep being you. Just keep playing the way that you want to and the way that you know is successful. Because in that game, they showed that they can win successfully against this team. And they can win in convincing fashion. So... Vancouver does really have a shot here. If the Knights are going in this really, like this, like they seem to be having a little bit of a, going off a little bit of a cliff here in terms of locker room issues, this might be the Canucks chance to capitalize. And they might be the lucky team that ends up going to a Western Conference final because a team they played just completely just lost the room a little bit. Um, And if you're Vancouver, like, that last game was great, and it's so great to have to fully back. This group is playing their best hockey um, that they've ever played, and hopefully they keep that going into game three tomorrow night if it does happen. Um, again, I hope that it doesn't. I hope the Canucks 
do the right thing and don't play and decide we're not going to play tonight and try and get it pushed a cup a day a day or two later. But if it does play, it seems like the if it does go through, which is likely, um, they are they do seem to be setting themselves up in a good place to possibly win this series to win this series. Which imagine that imagine they're able to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. That would be it. Would be I arguably upset of the playoffs, possibly possibly edging out Montreal Pittsburgh. Maybe like it really might be if the Canucks managed to pull off a series victory against Vegas. I think that would be huge that would be like the ultimate playoff the ultimate like playoff series victory of these of this year like nobody would have seen it coming um before we get out of here uh two things uh two other things we've uh to talk about uh there's a couple of things number one uh in the nhl world the capitals fired todd reardon after two seasons uh two playoff uh after winning the stanley cup of course barry trotz walked uh, they did not sign Barry, re-sign Barry Trotz. He moved over to the Long I- to Long Island to the Islanders. Uh, Todd Reardon was brought on. Two seasons, good hockey. They did well in the regular season. Two first round exits. Uh, first being against the Hurricanes in Game Seven overtime. Second being, um, second being to Barry Trotz's Islanders um, in a in a in five games. It was not a good run for them. They did not, uh, especially in these in the the return to play. They did not look good. They did not look like themselves. Um, apparently, their the the general manager felt uh, felt that they weren't where they should be, uh, and decided to make the change. Talked to players and made the change. For the Capitals, I'm not fully sure where they go from here. Todd Rudin, like I mean, number one is the obvious. Did the Capital clearly? The Islanders have done very well in the last couple seasons. They've made it to the second round of the playoffs last year. They're in the second round again this year and playing good hockey against the Flyers. Um, there's a very real, there's, I think there's a very real, um, I guess, I don't want, I guess it's not buyer's remorse, but I guess seller's remorse in a way, because they, by letting Barry Trotz go this in the off season after winning the cup that they, they, they probably made a mistake. Like they should have resigned him. He was, maybe he wanted I don't know why they wanted to go necessarily in a cheaper direction, especially considering how well he had done with that group and how much, how much success they had found with him at the helm. Um, where do the Capitals go from here? Who knows? I mean, they're a team that's still very much like they have no, they have, they have only two players, like two forwards coming off the books next year. Uh, one is an RFA uh, and two are one. Is, oh, uh, sorry. They have, they have five players coming off, but none of which, aside from maybe from their free agent pickup in Brendan Dillon from the Sharks uh, and Ilya Kovalchuk, who's playing for League Men already, um, is like a huge loss for that team. So is like a, it's not a it's not a key loss for them. So the question now becomes, where do you go? Do you start selling? Do you, do you are you going into rebuild mode now? Do you feel like you're like it's time to retool the roster, or do you feel like as a do you feel like a new coach will write the ship? I happen to think with this group that, I mean, Ovechkin is getting older. He's 34. He might not be in his prime. He's kind of nearing the end of his prime. But I don't see any – and, um, you know, you, Braden Holtby – oh, that's the big one. Braden Holtby is going to walk. That is an interesting thing. If they re-sign him, that's a red flag to me. Uh, they do have Ilya Samsonov, who's supposed to be their next goalie of the future. Um, it might be retool time a little bit. Um, I would say I don't, cause I don't, I don't know. I don't look at the Capitals right now and say, well, this is a team that can go back to the cup finals right now. It looks like they could maybe use a little bit of a, 
of a of another flood of uh, some more another infusion of youth. They're looking a little bit old. That group, just looking at the roster right now, their youngest player, Jonas Siegenthaler, is twenty three. That's the youngest player on their roster right now. They have um, and the only and besides and Ilya Samsonov as well. They're the only two players on entry level contracts. And then at twenty four, you have Jacob Vrana. You have Jakob Vrana, who is very good. Who's a very good player and a great pickup for that team. Um, I, but they're old. They're an old group. And the way hockey is going now, it's getting younger and faster. So if you're, if you're the Capitals, it's probably time to start infusing a couple younger players. And uh, that might mean shipping out a few of the older guys. So uh, I'm not going to put any names out there because I don't know who necessarily you'd start with here. Um, but at the very least, it looks like this might be a good time to start saying, okay, we need to start selling off some of our older players while they still have some value and getting back some younger players. Maybe that means we don't, we're not as, we're not as dominant this year. Maybe, hell, maybe we don't even make the playoffs in this next year, but at the very least we get some youth, some young, uh, some youth back in this lineup and it maybe, and propels us to hit our hit, become a cup contender back in the next couple of years or so. That's what this team needs is younger, younger, younger name, younger players. Cause they are looking quite old. I mean, they, Average age of their of their forwards is thirty, and their average age of their defenseman is twenty eight. That's that's old by NHL standards at this point. Um, there. Oh, okay. Logan Couture. Um, I wanted to talk about very briefly. Um, there was a thing today because this is once again in kind of in relation to everything we talked about at the top of the show. Um, basically, uh, Logan Couture said he was punched in a bar in Toronto for saying that his. His dad was a cop, I think. I got I to gotta go check it again. It was something, oh, he was sucker punched in Canada for talking about the Republican Party and mentioned Donald Trump by name. Apparently he was punched. Um, um, a lot of people seem to believe that this is not true because there doesn't, there hasn't been any sort of um, uh, like, there hasn't been any sort of a compl- of, um, like police filing or any police reports, I don't think, or anything. Um, and he just started going off on people for like, you know, he, cause he is one of those guys who talked about how we need to make black, how he gave one of the black lives matter tweets earlier in the, earlier during the first big wave of this conversation. And then he talks about the whole, and then he, all of a sudden he goes on this, uh, like I support the Republican party sort of thing. Um, oh, like, or, or if you vote, like, and he, he, I think he said he would vote Republican. He, you know, something like, something, something very crazy like that. My dad was a police officer and I would, if I could, vote Republican. Um, what was interesting is that his dad hasn't been a cop for like 30 years. His dad was a firefighter, um, which is interesting to gloss over, I guess. Um, he's, you know, it's, you know, I... I don't really know. Like he can't vote, but like I was punched in the face. <laughs> I I don't know, dude. Why are you like? It's I don't know why you would mention that. Like if this is it's just such bad. It's bad timing for starters because of everything that's going on. It's horrible timing. Um, then he went on this basically this blah blah blah. I will never talk about politics in public again. It's like okay, like okay, now you're just being a bit of a baby for no good reason here like i don't know where this came from like did he get punched there seems to be some people who believe that it didn't actually happen 
Um, I'm kind of having questions about that myself because, you know, like even like a couple players, um, like a, or a reporters that like there was a uh, Kevin Kurz in San Jose said that uh, he he texted or he called uh, Logan to clarify everything that would happen and uh, he just declined. <laughs> um, the Sharks put out a very vague statement about it. Um, there is um, like I don't know what to say. It's fascinating, but um, oof, like that is just. I don't know why you needed to say that on Twitter. Like that was a like poor choice. And then getting all huffy about it when people did not like your response was interesting. I mean, sucker punch or not, um, weird, weird. Like again, just horrible timing, dude, dude, you got to pick your, uh, this one should have stayed. It probably should have stayed in the drafts. Um, and you know, that's it for this episode before, before uh, two things before we go. Number one, uh, there is a guy, there is a man who I want to talk about uh, in Canucks in the Canucks Twitter sphere who has done very a very good who's been very who uh, needs I want to talk about. Um, if you've been uh, listening to the show for a while, you uh, you know Justin Morissette, friend of the show, who was on the podcast uh, back in April uh, to talk about hockey, hockey pause of hockey and wrestling and other things like he enjoys and everything while we were off from on this break. Uh, from sports at the time um he did a very noble thing over the weekend on saturday um in his neighborhood in the west end i'm not gonna go into too much detail but essentially uh there was a a preacher out there uh spewing a bunch of homophobic and xenophobic crap about people um and and religion and you know um like spewing specifically anti-lgbt rhetoric uh, more, more, most importantly, and doing this very, very specifically in the West End of Vancouver, which is notor- which is the, uh, com- which is which is a big community hub for Vancouver's LGBT community. Um, this guy picked his spot on purpose to be disruptive and an asshole. Um, and essentially, Justin, uh, being a very good guy that he is, uh, went to uh, confronted this guy and tried to take his microphone away from him and tell him to leave. And this guy used basically a judo move to knock him down and then purposely, very accurately and purposefully, snapped his leg, broke his leg, broke Justin's leg, and dislocated his kneecap. Justin is now in hospital. He is... Uh, had a, he had surgery to put metal plates in his leg, um, and there is a go. F- and he's going to be missing a lot of work and everything. And he did a very good thing, and he did something that was very heroic and very like you know, like very very heroic and very noble of him to stand up, especially because you know this isn't, you know, he's he himself is a straight man. He is sticking up for the community that he lives in and that he loves, and it's really like enough. I have nothing but kind words to say about Justin. Like that is, it's such a great hero thing to do. I can't say that I would be that heroic in his, if it were me in that position. Um, and I really respect the hell out of him for being so brave and doing something so noble like that to stand up to what is essentially a xenophobic bully. Um, and there is a GoFundMe page that you can go check out that I will leave a link in the description of this episode for you to go check out and please donate to that because he's going to be missing work for a while. And, you know, um, I believe it's already fully funded, but you never know, with, especially with COVID and everything that's going on, you don't know, we don't know, like no one knows how much, like how money, how far that money could go, you know, like how, how far, like the, 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 after paying all the hospital bills and everything else can go. Uh, 
while he's on again because he still has to after once he gets out he still has to rehab and everything else so he's still going to be missing a lot of time and rent and everything else so if you have money to spare right now please go over to his gofundme which i will leave a link to please donate and help if you can justin is a wonderful person i can't wait to have him back on the podcast at some point um right now he is rest very uh very he is resting up and he's you know we i wish justin all the best and i wish and um i'm very proud of him he did a really good he did a really good thing and i really and again nothing but respect for justin and everything he's done so please go check that out and that's the crease cast for today um thank you so much for listening um i did also want to say that i i did want to give you guys all a personal thank you um this week these last couple weeks whether that's um have been like smashing records for listens on the show and that's without even including the youtube views uh, the extra couple youtube few youtube views i've been getting but we've been averaging like really good like like on a great record average for each episode in listens and everything and i'm so thankful that you guys are enjoying the show and listening and that's why right now i'm you know putting in a little bit of extra of my own money to try and make this place more video and audio friendly as much as possible so i can do even more stuff with this and i'm really happy that you guys are enjoying the show and i'm having a really good time doing it especially during these these playoffs and everything that's going on. Uh, it's been great. And I'm really thankful to you guys for listening and I hope you keep enjoying the show. Hope you keep sharing it out, subscribing, leaving great, leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Join my Patreon if you have three bucks a month to spare as well. Uh, you get uh, bonus episodes there as well and uh, sneak previews at articles I'm writing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. I really appreciate it myself and hopefully we can keep this uh, momentum going. I'm having, it's, it's, it's been great. And uh, hopefully the Canucks can keep their momentum going and possibly once again, once again, pull off a miracle series win. I'll, we will be back um, after game, after game three, because I probably, yeah, we will be back after game three because that's tomorrow, but then they play back to back on Friday, or sorry, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll be back on Friday. I'm getting my dates mixed up. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with a brand new show. And then back, and then before we get kick it back on Monday once again. So thank you for listening. Uh, and I will see you next time. Be safe, wear a mask, uh, social distance, support local businesses, support social equality, racial inequality, support the abolition of of racial inequality and i will see you next time take care